Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Hey, everybody. It's the Title IX Podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Steph Copley, joined by Elisa Woods. And in this episode, episode 10, I was hoping we'd be able to talk about how we kicked the Irish out of Notre Dame. Ooh. But it was not meant to be. Nope, didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. But spoiler prof- alert. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. If you're listening and didn't know, that's on you. <laughs> but we're professionals, so we're going to put on our big girl pants and power through and give our takes on the game. I'm not a professional. That was a lie. I'm gonna, we're, neither I'm of us pout. are professionals. I'm going to pout the way that I pouted about the Iowa State game. Just a couple of angry fans over here. <laughs> Disgruntled. <laughs> that's right. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about the college football playoff. Elisa, I know you have some strong sure. thoughts on this issue. And then you had a fantastic idea since we're approaching not only the end of the year, but the end of the decade to talk about our 2019 goals, whether we reached them or not, and then focus on 2020 for ourselves and the Iowa State Athletic Department. Is that right? I have some ideas. <laughs> okay. Three pages worth. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Everybody prepare, <laughs> buckle in. But first... Hold your necks. How was Christmas? <laughs> Sorry, that's a reference <laughs> that literally like my husband and his sister will be the only people who get. Well, that was for them then. Um, yeah, that was for them. <laughs> Shout out. They better listen. What was your question? How was Christmas? Oh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. My brother and his boyfriend were back for two full days. It was nice enough that my brother took Rosa to the park. So that was a little unnerving, by the way, the 60 degree weather. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm not really mad about it, but I just didn't feel like it was supposed to be that warm. Right. There's something strange about it. Right. The, you know what? There's a lot that's happening that's strange and I'm just trying to go with it. That's a fair way to put it. Listen, all I can do is recycle my egg cartons and... Hope for the best. That's what I always say. <laughs> hey, you need to tell everybody about the gift that you gave your brother's boyfriend because it was really cool. Oh, yeah. So I made this shirt. So I made like an origami shirt out of dollar bills because he's a fashion designer. So I made this and it's just, I mean, it's, you can't wear it or anything. It's just, I taped it onto this box that I had. And so it looks like a folded up nice shirt, um, like collared shirt. And it, 20 some bucks and they're they're moving from New York to LA they're driving and so I was like you know 20 bucks for you to use on whatever snacks snacks road snacks Um, he's like I'm gonna frame it oh that's very sweet I know so not only are you a blue ribbon baker but you make amazing Christmas gifts so just add that to your resume I'm crafty 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 (laughs) AF crafty and you got a pen for Christmas you were telling us about that before I'm holding it right now and it's very heavy so very fancy it's a nice shiny metallic green and she's doing curls with it yeah, right now just because it's heavy big Christmas for Elisa <laughs> how was your Christmas it was really good OD'd on sugar and salt just how Christmas is meant to be I love it yeah and finally today felt like I had a balanced diet for the first time in about two weeks but that's okay that's what it's all about just sneak in a little arugula today yeah a little bit good yeah it was one of those days but yeah. it was really good Christmas the girls were great had a lot of fun had fun with their cousins so all in all I was wiped out but totally worth every second of it that's amazing and yeah. it's almost 2020 almost 2020 Jared do you want to tell us about uh the city of Orlando that you loved and adored so much I hate Orlando <laughs> is that literally all you have to say Welp. What more do I have to say? <laughs> How's Harry? All right. It's a tourist trap, money machine, capitalist piece of crap. That's what Orlando is. Jared is just a bowl full of cheer tonight. Yep. Did you have any butter beer? I did. 
Can we take a moment? I'm currently watching outside a woman run next to a car trying to get into the car, but clearly whoever is driving the car has locked her out. And is she laughing or crying? I have no idea. She appeared to be, she appeared to be laughing. Okay. Right. Well, let's just go with it. Okay. She's laughing. Okay. Sorry. Sidetrack. Out of sight, out of mind. Now. That's right. Anyways, um, let's move on. From Wait, did you like the Harry Potter world? Or did you feel like that was a capitalist <sighs> trap too? Oh, that was the biggest capitalist trap. That was the biggest capitalist trap. I, I spent $200 to go to Universal Studios. I went on two rides in six hours at Universal Studios. Oh, geez. That's terrible. That is really there bad. There were so many people there. And they said, when I went and bought my ticket, they said, hey, we recommend getting the Fast pass? Express Pass. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. How, how much is that? Well, with the Express Pass, it's $450. <gasps> what? That's bananas. At that point, I should have said, you know, I love Harry Potter, but it's not worth it. No. Not worth it. So I went on two rides in the entire time that I was there. Uh, every ride at, Harry, at the Harry Potter part was at least a two-hour wait to get on. So I have a question. I wouldn't want to stand there as an adult. How do they get kids to stand there and wait that long? Well, I mean, the, the kids, I feel like, so this is my thing. If you go there and you stay in the hotels and like you're going to stay at Universal for several days, I'm pretty sure that when you stay in the hotel, you get some sort of deal that you get the fast passes for cheaper. It makes oh. sense. So that then you don't have to pay the $400 or whatever. And if I had been there, and if you go for multiple days in a row, it's cheaper just to get like a bundle. If I had been there for a week and I could have spent a lot of time at Universal, that would have been one yeah. thing. But when I was working every day, there was no reason for me to go to Universal multiple days. Right. So it was just a bad deal. I never want to go back ever again. I never want to return to the city of Orlando. And I, I have never seen a city... I was talking to Rob Gray about this tonight. I was with him. This, I don't know what the medium household, median house, household income is in the city of Orlando, but that city has to have done such a good job of hiding what it's really like from people Tourists, that visit there. Right. And that's just from my perspective. If you walk around the area by that stadium, it's a dump. And it's, and it's because they don't put any money into the actual city. They put money into these corporatized areas and these like heavily sanitized tourist, tourist areas. And I've taken a bunch of crap from people on Twitter about why do you hate Orlando? Because I like to go to real cities. I don't right. like to go to cities where just corporate money has come in and built a bunch of chains and stuff like that to try and make it look fake nice. This is a fake nice city. That was just what I kind of took away. Like San Antonio... When you go to the Riverwalk, you go to places that people that live in San Antonio own. That's actually the same review that several people gave me, that San Antonio felt so much more authentic. It's a real city. Memphis is a real city. Like, you go to Memphis, and you feel like you are in a place where the bars are owned by people. I mean, uh, Coyote Ugly, obviously, is a chain. B, like, BB Keens is obviously a chain. But there are a lot of hole-in-the-wall-type bars there that you sit in there, and you're like, man, this bar has been here forever. And you know that the same people have been coming here for a long time and they come here and they listen to jazz music and that kind of stuff. These places in Orlando, I went to this, I went to one bar in the entire time that I was there that I was like, this feels like a real authentic place. And it was like a Miami Dolphins bar mm -hmm. in the Cuban district. And that was it. And like, but you walk out the door and you see what just does not look like a very nice place. And that's what was, I didn't like about that. It just did not feel like a very authentic city, which is, easy to understand when you realize that two huge corporations came and dropped themes, theme parks with double-digit hotels 
that span acres and acres and acres of ground. So that was why I don't like Orlando. So everything I saw on Twitter, and granted, I know I have a limited sample size because I'm following Cyclone fans, but it, it sounded like Cyclone fans significantly outnumbered Notre Dame fans. Did you get that experience too? Yeah, the, the thing is that there was just nobody there for... The only, it's crazy. The only people there, probably the first four days I were there, I was there, were people from other countries. Yeah. That, and like nothing, I, I don't have a problem with that. I had to tell off a group of British people the first night that I was there, which is a whole other story, but. Uh, <laughs> That's the after hours yeah. podcast. Go eat no, your tea and crumpets. No, it wasn't even, these people were being assholes. And like I told them, they were being mean to these people that worked at this sto- in this little convenience store in, mm. our, in our hotel and their kids were walking around taking candy and putting it in the stroller and like these parents weren't paying any attention and they were getting mad at the clerk because the clerk was just doing her job and I walked by as I was going back up to my room and I said hey I don't I don't know how y'all do it where you're from but what I just watched was ridiculous and this was embarrassing you good guys for should, you, you Jared. guys should be embarrassed and like the fact that you're raising your kids to be this way is horrible it's horrible have some respect for people I was like, I might be naive, and I'm from a part of the country that is a lot different than where you're from, but man, come on. Like, this is sad. Grow up. And then I walked away, or else they probably would have started berating me, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, but then once it got to be about Friday, I saw way more Irish State fans than I saw Notre Dame fans. But, again, Orlando's so spread out. Right. To get from where I was at to downtown is 25 minutes. Yeah. Jeez. So. Yeah, not the hard. same vibe as a San no. Antonio. That's I'm, too bad. Never want to go back, ever. Well, there's your ringing endorsement over Orlando, everybody. <laughs> I did go to Universal Studios one time. It was a little over three years ago. Um, my daughter's a little over three years old. I went for work. Work paid for it. I could ride zero rides because I was very pregnant. Right. I did not have fun. It rained, and I found like a basically abandoned area, sat inside with my phone plugged in, and texted Arnold the whole time I did not have I also did not have fun at Universal that's too bad yeah yeah I don't know I'm sure it's, I'd have fun like another time of the year but right you go yeah. the day after Christmas no it's a shit show yeah yeah it's it is just a it is not a very fun place I I just don't like to be around that number of people when I got home yesterday I just wanted to sit in my apartment and never and hang out with us never talk to anybody ever again like I'm at that point where Except I just, I just want to sit at home and just like be left alone for three days. That's where I'm at right now. And instead he gets to hang out with us. And instead I came and hung, hung out with Jeff Woody this morning and now I'm <laughs> hanging out with you guys. It's Best basically yeah, dream day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so the bowl game, in addition to Orlando not being great, was also not great. No. Um, how was the crowd at the outset of the game? It's, I mean, it looks great on TV. Was it, were they loud? In the stadium? Yeah. Uh, I was in the press box. So you, oh, yeah, I really can't really hear, hear anything. Yeah, well, on TV, it looked great. I was really impressed. And yeah. I mean, Iowa State fans always do it right, even when they don't get the results that we want. But oh, yeah, for sure. I was pumped up, forced Notre Dame to go three and out. And then, oh, <sighs> Tariq, you poor soul. You know, and the uh, punt return fumble was re- resulted in a field goal. And I thought, all right. It could have been much worse. We're going to yeah. be okay. And then Purdy turns around on our next offensive possession and scrambles and fumbles the ball. And suddenly it's 10-0. And what the heck just happened? Yeah, definitely. And honestly, like I'm a typical Iowa State fan. I expect the worst, hope for the best. And I almost expected it. Like I just did not have a good feeling going into it. And I'll tell you why. Like the thing is, like we we're hyped that the Camping World Bowl wanted us. But why did they want us? Instead of Kansas State, 
Notre Dame was mad that they were playing us. And literally, literally so. Yeah, nobody nobody thought that we deserved to be there. And I don't know that, know that we really did. Like on paper, it just didn't make sense. And they picked us because they would sell more tickets. And they did. Yeah, and that's the thing. And we're hyped about it. And I, I think we all acknowledge that. And we, we thought, you know, oh, just give us a shot, you know, and we'll get out there in the field and prove that we deserve it. And I just think we were outmatched from the start. I mean, you think about like Notre Dame was ranked 14th. We so we played a team ranked higher than both Iowa and the team that Iowa played in their bowl ranked higher than both of them. I like I'm not trolling. I'm just stating the facts. They were ranked higher than both of them. Kansas State is playing Navy, who's ranked 23rd. Kansas State beat us. It, it just like it made more sense for us to play Navy. And I'm I'm glad that we played the game that we played. Like don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, I'm um, you know, these 18 to 20 year old men disappointed me, you know, like, or they, they went out there, they didn't want to win or they didn't try as hard as they could have. Like, that's absurd. It is absurd. People who say that are just absurd and and sad. Pretty wanted to fumble the ball. Like get out of here. Right. Like they, they don't travel all that way. They don't get hyped to make a bowl just to lay an egg. Like that's not how it works. You know, they're like, they're young men and they're trying the hardest that they can. And just sometimes, Things just don't fall the way that they should. And I used to have a boss that would always tell me, you know, like, well, we don't need to talk about who we should blame when it was his fault. But when it was my <laughs> fault, suddenly it was a topic of discussion. Oh, yeah. No, when it was my fault, we would talk ad nauseum about who was to blame. And so, like, anyways, if I think that if we're going to point a finger, really, like, I'd point it at the play calling. Yeah. Let's talk about that the infamous fourth and one call. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I think we can all in unison just say what the hell was yeah. that and move on because I don't have an answer to it and nobody has an answer no. to it that I've, or at least a satisfactory answer that I've seen. No. And there, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say like, it, it, I mean, I want to like the out of the box play calling. You know, I want to say, you know, we're not always playing it safe, but there's a point where you just, you can't fly in the face of football one-on-one. Like things work. The house always wins. I'll just say that the house always wins. Yes. You can bet on the underdog every once in a while and, and really strike it rich, but you are not going to, you're not going to win when you're playing the house every time. Like you have to take the, it's the path of least resistance because it has the least resistance. You can't just go against resistance for the entire game. You just have to make fundamental calls. And I know that the statistics don't back this up, but it certainly feels as an Iowa State fan, like we're the only team in the country who can't convert a fourth and one or a fourth and inches. It's so frustrating. And the only the and the only team in the nation that is giving up third and eighteen, third and twenty, a, like what seems like a regular basis. Yes, third and long. I'm like, well, like expect a first down. It's just strange. It is. And I, it was funny because um, I listened to Jared and Chris's podcast after the game, and then I listened to Football and Random Things today. And I felt like all you guys felt um, okay going into halftime, down 20 to 6, and you know, thinking we can still turn this around because they, Iowa State had done that all season. I felt like it was 106 at that point. Yeah. I don't know why. And I, um, I, it's probably, I'm the typical Iowa State fan too, but I just felt like at that point we dug ourselves into a hole and then the second half we come out, go three and out. And then Notre Dame turns around and, you know, blazes us with an 80 yard touchdown run. And after that, I just kind of felt like the wheels fell off. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. And then, um, couple possessions later, I felt like we had a chance and Purdy got sacked on third down in Notre Dame territory. And then we kick field goal 
And I hated that. And I get why, you know, you're, it's fourth and 16. It's, that's a tough fourth down conversion. I appreciate you want to take the points when you can get them, but that made it, it was still a three possession game at that point. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, what are we doing here? And you know, if you're going to, at this point, you got to come in guns blazing and we just weren't doing that. But. Yeah. And then there was a second, fourth and one in the, I think it was the fourth quarter when we, when Purdy passed, it got sacked another fourth and one. What the hell are we doing? I don't know. I, I just kind of felt like a, I, I'm like you. I actually turned to Ben at one point and said, I feel like we're going to get blown out before the game. I yeah. just had a bad feeling about it, but I hoped that, you know, we'd show those flashes of hope that we had throughout the entire season and we just didn't. Yeah. And, I don't know. It felt like we regressed a little bit in the last couple of games and that's never the way you want to end a season. And I tweeted this, but uh, it's worth mentioning again, the things that plagued us in the regular season plagued us in the bowl game. And that's also disappointing for a coach who's constantly preaching about winning in the margins and winning in the dark. And that's just um, something I hope they take a real honest look at. And I'm, I'm certain they will, but things like special teams, mishaps, dropped interceptions, suspect play calling, all those things were frustrating throughout the season. They were frustrating on Saturday too. And I just feel like, I feel like if we would have played the magic word is if we would have played to our potential. However, we, I don't think we played to our potential most of the season. I would agree with that. Which is the problem. Potential is the problem. Like this team had so much potential which is this like magical sparkly word that it's like, oh, you know, you know, these guys have the ability to do this. They have the potential to do that. But if you don't do it, do you really have the potential to do it? And it's, it's, there's a lot of things to be happy with. We broke essentially every offensive record there was to break this year. And that was total yards of offense, yards per play, all of those things. That was due in large part to Brock Purdy, who also broke essentially every quarterback record there was to break. Um, he also had a nice little set of receivers. I think Iowa State, um, in the statistics after the game, said it was the first time in school history that we had a trio of 50 catch receivers, and that was Jones, Petway, and Kohler. So a lot of things to be happy about and to build on and to look at and say this was a really great year. But to your point, I think we probably are closer to a 7-6 and six football team than a lot of fans would care to admit. And to me, the fact that we have all of these great players and that we're setting all of these records, like it's the players setting these records, which kind of proves my point that it's the play calling and it's the coaching that needs – to be looked at a little bit and closer. I think Campbell did a nice job of acknowledging that in his yeah. post game and saying, you know, this starts with us. And so in the off season, make sure it really does, you yeah. know? Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't just say like, you can't just say when in the margins, when, what the hell does that even mean? Right. To be honest, like it, it makes as much sense as like, let's get mad. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest, but maybe I'm just not edumacated enough to yeah, right. That's totally it. understand what these things mean. But like, you have to have a, a plan. Maybe we can talk about that in yeah, our I, goals. I, yes, I think we should talk okay. about that in our goals. But bottom line, I don't think we need to be calling for anybody's head at this point. No. And so I just feel like those people on Twitter, just relax. Right. Take a break. Yes. Take a breath. I was texting Jay Jordan after the game, and I think Chris and Jared said this in their podcast too, but it's whole Wait, you're texting? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're on a texting basis. Oh, I'm sorry. You want sorry. digits? No. <laughs> but hold on. I have a real point here, and then we'll come back to that. Thanks, Jay. Sorry, Jay. Three we were, bus. I thought we were friends. You are friends. You're definitely friends. Whatever. Um, but basically, it's just shocking when you think about a few weeks ago, we were all losing our minds about the potential to of losing Matt Campbell, and then in a moment... 
people go crazy and start calling for his head. Yeah. And I know that those are the extreme minority, right? but they're the vocal extreme minority. Yeah. And so those are the ones we see. So if that's you and you're listening, breathe. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Honestly, to, to me, it's not Campbell. Of all of right. the people, it's not Campbell. I agree with so that. So I'll just leave it there. All right. Are we done talking about football? At yes. least cyclone football? Yeah. Do you want to talk about college football playoffs? Sure. Um, so Joe Burrow. Somebody tweeted a picture of him when he was a little kid, and I knew that his dad coached at Ames High, and I knew that his brother was um, a quarterback at Ames High. But when I saw that picture, I realized his brother was the quarterback, the senior quarterback when I was a freshman at Ames High. Like, I remember him. Oh, gosh. That's so wild. Like, yeah. I, like, saw him in the picture, and I was just like, Oh yeah. It clicked. Yeah. yeah. And he was like friends with this guy that dated my best friend. And I, like, I just, like, I remember very vividly. The world is a small, <laughs> small place. Dan Burrow. And I was just like, wow. So Joe Burrow had quite the game yeah. for himself. Threw yeah. for over 500 yards and had seven touchdowns. He broke the Peach Bowl record for touchdowns in the second, like for the game. He broke it in the second quarter. Craziness. <laughs> that was wild. Oh, you just got spanked. They did. To be honest, like, and I, I heard this on the way. driving at some point today somebody said this but like OU needs to figure out their defense they need to figure out how to recruit defense they're they're often scored a lot of points right they honestly they their offense I I told my husband we were watching the game and I was like they're scoring points you know they're scoring points against a good LSU defense just not stopping they're not stopping anything and they just like if they if they want to get past getting shammered just getting lobbocked. I'm making all these words up. Just getting <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> bamboozled. I didn't make that one up. Friends. Um, oh, I don't know. Is that their friends? Anyway, um, if they want to like get past the first round, they need to figure out their defense and they need to recruit a better defense. So the Big 12 is now over in the college football playoff, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's all Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah, right? For uh, the problem for Oklahoma is that they. I mean, if, you, if we were to pull up Oklahoma's starting defense and run through the recruiting rankings, I bet of the 11 starters, I bet nine of them are four stars or five star recruits. It's, really? it's all coaching. It's all coaching and it's all. Fire them all. Call no, for their no, head. No, 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 no. I mean, they got a new coach who I think is a better coach and Alex Grinch. I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but it is a long term systemic problem. And, it, and I think a thing too, like their defense or their offense is so good. And Lincoln Riley's such a good offensive coach that they probably just don't put enough focus there, which is, I think, what their hope is now with getting this new defensive coordinator. But it's not a talent problem. But I think that you can have four-star – I think you can have four-star recruits that don't work well together or don't work well with the system as well. So, like, I understand, you know, going for all – somebody – God, somebody said that – it was an article that I was reading about a, a woman who works for the football team and works at in OU, recruiting. No, at Iowa oh. State. And she said, you know, like there, I spend time with these guys and you can be, you know, a four-star recruit and yet we don't want you because of your attitude or we don't want you because you just don't fit in the system or something like that. Like you can be shiny and beautiful and sparkly but maybe maybe you just don't work. Like something's just not working on their defense. Yeah, for a long long term issues, like Jared said. Um, on this is actually a really sad story. But did you see the story of the LSU's offensive coordinator? Yeah, oh. I did see that. So his daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law 
died in a plane crash on the way to the game. Really, really sad story. Can't imagine. I was talking to a coworker about this today, but, and I just think this is something that coaches are able to do because they have the coach mentality. But for me, imagining coaching a football game after finding out that my daughter-in-law or a family member or whatever died unexpectedly like that, it would be impossible. Yeah. But he was able to, you know, for three hours, just set all of that aside, coach the game, and I'm sure probably crumbled afterwards. But it's just wild and really, really terrible story. That is. That's rough. Yeah, really rough. Um, Clemson, Ohio State, that was quite the game. I didn't watch that game. Did you watch any of it? I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> when, when was this game? Right after. Well, how it was I had, did you OD on gummy bears I or what happened? Have. Well, it was a really, it was a good back and forth game. It was marred by a couple of controversial calls. There was a scoop and score that got overturned. It would have put uh, Ohio state up for the lead, but then the officials overturned it said uh, Clemson receiver never had possession of the catch it was one of those did he make a football move i hate that that makes me crazy like we gotta suss that one out um i don't i saw a tweet it was someone going through an obstacle course and was like is this a football move and i just thought that was great because who knows what it is and what it's rough it's It's only a football move if you do the heisman like is that the asterisk yeah. and the rule? Yep. You okay. have to catch the ball and then you got to do the Heisman. <laughs> I think that's fair. It's yeah. a pretty bright line rule. I, I like mean, it. that's clearly what they're talking about when they say the fo- football move. That, that's do you want to see it again? Jared's impressed. She's got it down. Jared's mad. What's hate, wrong? I hate replay now too. Replay stupid. I also hate replay. Okay. I've been saying this for years and now that I have a platform to say it on, I hope it clicks. There needs to be a clock. It's what, whether it's 30 seconds, 45 seconds, 60 seconds, I don't care. But once that clock hits zero, if you can't tell, that's not irrefutable, indisputable, or whatever the phrase is of the year. If you can't tell within that time period, you don't have enough to overturn it. I like End that. of story. I like that. Do you know anybody we could tell, Jared? Uh, we, I could talk to Curtis Shaw next. Well, actually, he's a basketball guy. It doesn't matter. Like, it's got to start somewhere. Pass it on. Yeah. Uh, no, my problem is that when... It's more of a basketball thing, but in football, I feel like technology has advanced, advanced to a certain point where how many times in a game does something happen that it's like they could probably review that? Yeah. And if they wanted to sit and review it and sit there and watch it in frame by frame. That's the other thing. Slow motion. It's like, okay, we could probably change that call. And, and, it, and that was the same thing I thought when the, in, in the Christmas Day game of, between the Lakers and Clippers. I don't know how big an NBA people you guys are, if you are at all, but there's a play right at the end of the game where LeBron is going up to shoot a three, Patrick Beverly hits the ball, and clearly, if you watch the play in real time, it looks like Patrick Beverly hits the ball out of bounds. Okay, well then you go to the monitor and you watch it in like frame by frame at one, or at 0.0001 times speed, you can see, oh my gosh, the very tip of LeBron's middle finger is the last one to roll I up. hate it. And that to me is like, what's the point? Yeah. You, you play the game one way for 46 minutes and then in the last two, okay, all of a That's sudden. That's exactly it. It's so stupid. And in football, it's a problem, especially with targeting, because things look a lot worse in certain speeds mm. than they actually are in real time. And I just, I, Jared, I am a thousand percent with you and on that. And this is my argument against, people are always talking about, oh, like we should have a computer call 
balls and strikes in baseball. And I think that that is absurd. I think that's the worst idea ever. Like you have to keep this human element in it or else it doesn't become a game or else like, why don't we just play Madden? And like, I, why we do all we make mistakes. Like, I, I think we can all agree. Officials make Iowa state fans know more than anybody that officials make mistakes. And, but replay doesn't always fix that. And the more we rely on this just painful replay, it takes, yeah. it just sucks the life out of the game. Agreed. Baseball, like baseball umpiring, though, can have some of the most egregious mistakes between balls and strikes where you see a guy throw the ball in the other batter's, other's batter's box yeah. and, like, they call it a strike still. And I'm like, okay, I get it, but yo. But a computer's not the answer not for that. Strike. No, and that's where I think, like, maybe you have another person who it's like if they sit up in the box or something and they can see what the technical strike zone is yeah. and they can buzz down somehow and it's got to be like, that has to be instant. Yep. It can't be a thing where we're going to go back and watch it. I mean, people need to start calling us because we have the answers. Yeah, all of the answers. All of the, everything. <laughs> all right, do we need to take a break tonight, Jared? No, just keep going. Yeah. Oh. Wait, that means we're not sponsored. <laughs> we're back to being poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you guys technically weren't like had it. Didn't have thank a yeah, thanks, Jared. Thanks, Woo. Mr. Sunshine. There are certain sponsors we have to run throughout the week. God. It's the end of the year. Great. <sighs> okay, well, on that bright He's note. He's like Mr. Rogers today, just a friendly That's face. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, your great idea. Do you want to talk about 2019 goals yes. first? Or how do you want to do this? Sure. I'm just going to let you run with this. So my, I have a, I love this time of year. I am all about, and I know that I'm just going to get some haters right now, but I am all about new year, new me. Hear me out. Hear me out. Listen, I'm all in on this. So okay. when you say hear me out, you're talking to the haters, not me. <laughs> some people hate it. I love it. I think it's an opportunity. Yes. You should give me gifts all year round, but my birthday is a great opportunity to remind you to show me that you love me through gifts. In the same way, yes, you should set goals all year round, but the new year is a great opportunity to be reminded to set goals and intentions for the next 365 or less, however you want to set your goals. It's up to you. Anyways, I like to break my my goals down. I first of all list how I, all of the things that I think that I could improve my life or my circumstances, whether they're in my control or whether they're not in my control. I just, I like to write out who is the ideal Elisa. Oh. And so I, I go down, you know, I wish that I kept my kitchen clean. I wish that I, you know, had smaller feet and all of these different things, you know, everything that I wish was different about my life or improved about my life, I like to write down. And then I think, what what's the core of this goal? Do you really want your feet to be smaller or do you wanna have an easier time finding shoes? Do you wanna feel a little more stylish in your shoes? Um, and so I think about kind of what is the, the core of the goal and how will it make me feel if I accomplish that goal? And so what are the things that I can do daily to feel that way, thus daily reaching my goals? I love this. You should yes. be a life coach. Thank you. <clears throat> Anyone hiring for life coaches? So, so for example, I do wish that my house was cleaner. That is one thing. I, I want to have a clean house in 2020. Why do I want that? Because when I come home, I want to feel like it's a relaxing space. When people come over, I want to feel pride in my home. 
So relaxing in my space and pride in my home are my actual goals. Having a clean house is not my actual That's just a means to an end. Right. Okay, I'm tracking. So every day I can be doing things. So I finish dinner and I want to feel relaxed and proud. Remember, like relaxed and proud. So clean the dishes, wipe the counters down. I change my daughter into her pajamas. I want to feel relaxed and proud. Instead of tossing them on the floor, I put them in the hamper. So those are just daily things that I can do. Attainable. Yes. Things that I can do that make me feel like I've accomplished a goal. And I think that it's even more interesting when you break it down to something that everyone does. Like everyone wants to lose 20 pounds, you know? So I want to lose 20 pounds. Obviously right now I'm not (laughs) trying to lose 20 pounds. I'm trying to hold on to the 10 that I've gained (laughs) desperately um, by not, uh, what is it? Mouth pooping. Yeah. Uh, was that what it was? Yeah. Mouth poop. Um, that's that's my, what it was. That yeah. was the phrase. I tried to block it out of my memory. Thank you for reminding yeah, me. Yeah. For anyone who um, didn't listen to that episode, when I've been a little nauseous and I've had, I've been praying to the porcelain gods and my daughter calls it mouth pooping. Anyway, bless her. Thank yeah. you, Rosa, for so, that. So I'm trying to hold on to these 10. But if I was, I would I would break it down. I'd say, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds, but what do I want to what do I want at the end of those 20 pounds? I don't want to have less gravitational pull, which is literally what 20 pounds will get me. And that's the only thing 20 pounds will get me. What do I want to feel? I want to feel healthy and energized and confident. So those are the things that I want to do daily. I want to make choices daily that will make me feel healthy, energized, and confident. So I wake up and I set my mind on those things. So by the end of the day, I haven't really lost 20 pounds, but I have met my goal of feeling the way that I would feel if I think that I would feel if I lost the 20 pounds. And maybe I lose 18 pounds, thus not meeting my goal, but if I feel healthy, energized, and confident, then I've met my goal. This is interesting because it's making me think about every goal that we set is probably not actually the goal we need to be setting. Yeah. And people always say, you know, the smart goals, like, I don't know what they are, but simple, something, measurable, measurable, attainable. attainable. I don't think that's important. I don't think that a measurable goal is important. I think that if you measure in terms of how you feel and how making different choices makes you feel, then that's... And a lot of the stuff that you said of how do I get there actually does make it measurable and attainable anyway. Right. And I look back. So one of my goals for last year was I have an Instagram where I house all of my like baking stuff. And so I said, you know, I really want to build this community. Why? Because I want to feel connected. So I said, you know, I want to feel connected and I want to feel like I'm putting something creative out there. So this whole year I tried to think, okay, what are decisions that I can make that will make me feel connected and that will make me feel like I have a community? And guess what? I got to the end of the year. My Instagram is not great, but I have this podcast. And so I just kind of opened myself up to meeting goals in a way that I would not have met had I said my goal is to build my Instagram to 2,000 followers. You took a different road than you anticipated. Yes, and it was a better road in my mind. And I think that I accomplished the goals. I I feel the way that I thought that I would have felt if I had gotten 2,000 followers on my Instagram. I feel that way right now in a completely different way. This is really good, Elisa. Thank you. Yeah. 
Anyways. Can I tell you, um, I did not keep in mind I was not of that mind frame when I yes. made my goal for 2019, but can I tell you what it was? Yeah. It was pretty simple. It was just to read a book a month, hmm. which is not that much. And I love to read. I just don't have the time I used to have. Yeah. Um, and I did it. Amazing. Yes. But I was inspired by one of my uh, really uh, good friends, Maggie White, who sh- set a ridiculous goal of reading an average of one book every two days. Oh, wow. She did it. She just finished her 183rd book yesterday. Holy cow. Isn't that mind blowing? That is. So kudos to her. I could never get there and I don't know how she did it. She's, you know, she's an accomplished attorney, is involved in all sorts of things and she did it. So that is wild. I'll, I'll give you one guess of how many books, not children's books that I read this year. Five. Zero. Oh, well, I was trying to give you more credit than you deserved, clearly. Zero. <laughs> I love reading. I, I think that's going to be, now after we had this discussion, yeah. I'm going to reevaluate my, how I think about this, but I do think I'm going to c- try to continue that again because it was, it was something I could handle without feeling overwhelmed and still felt like I was you know, doing what I wanted to do. I so love good. that. Yeah. And I think that like, you can think about how, how do you feel after you've read a book, you feel educated, you feel, um, entertained and all those things. And I think that that could even open up doors to you finding new ways to feel educated and entertained. Cause sometimes I feel guilty for watching TV, but a lot of times if it's, you know, if it's a series that Ben and I both like or whatever, it kind of has the same effect. So I'm going to think about it that way. And maybe your goal, your actual goal is to feel less guilty. You're probably right. Holy cow. Okay. So I have a goal in 2020 to write more. Okay. But do you think that's actually my goal? So, and I looked at my goals this year and I kind of broke, let me, let me dive into my goals this year and maybe you can reevaluate. So I wrote down all of the things that I want to feel, the things that I want to change. And then I, I said, what's the base? How will I feel once I've accomplished that goal? So I have all my feelings written down. And then I went through and I said, does this feeling serve me or does this feeling serve others? And me as a person, I tend to do things that serve other people a lot. And so I said, guess what? This year is treat yourself 2020. The year of Elisa. It is the year of Elisa. (laughs) All of the cheesy sayings. So I'm choosing goals that serve me this year because my goals are going to end up being probably 10% of my mind space every day. And I think that I'm worth 10% of my mind space because probably... It's a great way to think of it. Yes, thank you. Probably the other 90... Don't give me a calculator, but I think that that equals 100%. That's pretty good. It's right on the spot. <laughs> you nailed you. it. Thank you. I think that the other 90 will most likely be serving other people. So. so think about your goal of writing. Are you doing it to serve yourself oh, or to serve yeah. other people? So this is all Chris's fault because I've... I mean, I feel if... I don't know if I ever felt like I was born to do anything, but if it ever was, it was be it would be writing. And so he's kind of got that bug in me going again. So that is all for myself. Okay. Yeah. So do you want, when you write, do you want like the attention that you get from writing something interesting? Do you want the connection that you get from people reading what you're writing and relating to it? Yeah, maybe that, but it's, I just enjoy the process of it. Okay. The creative process of it. Creativity. Okay. I think that that's your goal to be more creative. I can do that. I, I like this. It. I really like this. So exciting. this is a nice little therapy session. Good. So for me, I, I haven't exactly nailed down my exact goals, but being disciplined, 
being healthy and being monetarily comfortable are three that are kind of sticking out to me that are really self-serving. So um, the disciplined one um, relates a lot to our podcast and just ideas that I have for our podcast and um, kind of building this little baby that we've started and that serves me. And I, I guess it also kind of serves you. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. But it just, it gets me excited and it gets me happy. And I love talking about that kind of stuff. So it's really for me, monetarily comfortable, just riding the no debt wave as long as I can. Um, and then, I mean, healthy, it will trickle down, but is typically just for me. Yeah. And, but you're right. That also has benefits for your family too. Yeah. yeah. So then every day, and I did this last year, every day I'm going to wake up and I say, I'm going to say, make choices today that are, that make you feel healthy, that make you feel monetarily comfortable and that make you feel disciplined. This and is great. It really helps me. Helps this me really with my good. day. Thank you. Jared, did you write all that down? What? He'll listen to it later. Unbelievable. I do have some goals for the football team. Yes. Do you yes, want me to do. start on those? Yes, please do. All right. So I heard that Chris and Jared did go over some New Year's resolutions for the football team, but I have some more. And Elisa's are better. Mine are real good. <laughs> First of all, fewer catchphrases, more catching interceptions. Listen, we had to lead the nation and dropped interceptions. We had to. Is that a stat that people keep? Jared? uh, No, I don't think so. Okay, well. Then we definitely did. we led the nation and dropped interceptions. I saw that Alex Guggen tweeted out that uh, based on Iowa State's 56 passes defended this year, the expectation would have been for them to have about 12 interceptions. They had six. Mm. There you go. Half as good as they should have been. Anyways, I don't need winning in the margins. I don't need to hear anyone talk about culture anymore. I really don't. Save the catchphrases. Yeah, I don't mind the catchphrases, but That's Campbell's mo. Yeah, but I, I, I just don't need to. I just don't need to put my faith and trust in them. That's fine. That's I think how that's I fair. feel. Fewer catchphrases, more catching interceptions. Yes. That's, save, that's the catchphrase for twenty twenty. Save the catchphrases for Pinterest. <laughs> Second one: transparency. Listen, you don't need to tell everyone, but. Coach Campbell, just slide into our DMs with an honest injury update every once in a while. Every once in a while. We won't even tell anyone. No, we honestly, all we want to do is put Brock Purdy on our prayer list, okay? That's all all we want. That's truly transparency. And this one is really for whoever will listen. Let's set our intentions for the grass lots out early. Let's get everybody on the same page for tailgating about how and where to enter. Can we turn left into the lot? Will this lot be open? Are, you know, once everything else fills up, will you eventually open this one that you've told us has is open? Let's just be open and honest with our intentions for tailgating. And you okay? mentioned live tweeting those uh, status updates. I think that yeah. was great. Yep. Somebody get on that, please. Can we just say less rain? I mean, that's a goal we have no control over, but that's that's a goal for 2020. Less rain during football season. Yeah, I think that that's good. It kind of goes along with the what the crap, Ed. Yes. From Channel 13. Yes. Ed Wilson. That's my man. I love Ed. Less rain, period. Oh my gosh. If he listened to this podcast, I would be elated. He is a good... Let me tell you an Ed Wilson story. So I had a frightening experience at a very shady apartment building that I lived in. Um, a homeless man knocking on my door, screaming at me. 
Um, for the next couple days, especially the next day, I remember Ed Wilson followed me home after That's work really sweet. and waited for me to like wave at him from my window and tell him that I was there. Good guy. But what the crap, Ed, less rain. What the crap, Ed, less rain. Finally, and this is going to be, I have some ideas, so sit down. Is this for the football team still? Because I have one more for the football team. You can do your one for the football. This so, is more about the stadium. Regardless of your political stance, I think it's fair to say we need to strip the football team of their Second Amendment rights so we stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Whoa, Thank you. Good Worked one. on that one for a while. Gun control. Gun control. <laughs> That's right. Gun control. All right. So finally, my last goal is to diversify the food and drink options at the stadium. First of all, beer everywhere. I mean, this is a thing that's yep. happening, so. Not just the south end zone everywhere. Beer, alcohol. Second of all, okay, let's do like some good food, like tachos, churros, pork on a stick. State fair style. Yep, poke, okay. a burger, but with. Poke, at the football game? You know, a burger, but with two pan pizzas as the buns. How about Krispy Kremes as the buns? Have you had that? That sounds good. Okay, a meatball stuffed with a jalapeno that's stuffed with cheese and then the whole thing wrapped in <laughs> bacon and then deep fried. A long john that you cut like a like a hot dog bun and you fill with cookie dough. Is that um, a thing somewhere? Nope. Al- Go ahead. Alcoholic watermelon sorbet served in half of a watermelon with a tiny umbrella. Um, a chicken sandwich where the bun is also chick. Uh, nope, somebody already did that. Okay. Um, broccoli cheese soup in a bread bowl and then deep fried. <laughs> a Beyond Burger <laughs> wrapped in bacon. Two meatloaf slices as the bun of a Monte Crisco, so filled with ham, turkey, and Swiss, dipped in batter and fried, and then sprinkled with powdered sugar and served with a raspberry jam on the side. Brownies topped with peanut butter cookies topped with a slice of French silk pie. A hot dog topped with crawfish etouffee. <laughs> Guys. Biscuits and gravy. <laughs> biscuits and gravy nachos. I can't even say that word. Etouffee. Oh, yeah. I listen. I lived in New Orleans. Crawfish etouffee. Okay. The biscuits and gravy nachos. Two Crunchwrap Supremes as the bun of a tenderloin sandwich. A quesadilla filled with macaroni and cheese. A bowl that you make... Please stop. No, I have like four more. A bowl that you make out of Rice Krispie Treats and then you dip it in white chocolate and you fill it with Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you for that one. An onion ring where instead of the hole in the center, you fill it with cheese and then you fry it and you top it with an egg. Um, flaming hot Cheetos as the base of pulled pork nachos. A s'more panini uh, where you use donuts as the graham crackers, but you still got to press it so you get the crispiness. And salads. <laughs> so those are just a few of my ideas that I have for the stadium um, uh, that they could improve upon their food and beverage selections. First of all, my stomach hurts from laughing. I have tears coming out the side of my eyes. That was amazing. Just a couple possibly pregnancy-fueled ideas. What the hell is wrong with you? Mm, I don't know. 
has anyone ever called you from the state fair and said, Elisa, can we have some ideas? Because they really should. They can have this sheet of paper that oh, I wrote all that down on. Wow. Okay. I, I literally, I don't know what to say. Okay. Well, on that note, if anyone wants to make me a hot dog topped with crawfish etouffee, <laughs> Etouffee. Etouffee? I'm glad that I don't have to go to the concession stand because I'd love to hear the Iowans <laughs> trying to pronounce that on the... No one would ever order it because they'd see it on the board and they'd be like, I don't know how to say that word. I'm not getting that. Etouffee? Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Happy 2020, everybody. Happy 2020. Do your little thing uh, and I'll do my little thing. I don't even... What is my thing? I don't... It's I'm, something about um, go Iowa something. Oh, th- to end it. Yeah. I am so rattled right now. <laughs> Sorry. That was great. Okay. All right. I think the basketball team plays our first conference game on Saturday, but I am too distracted. They got by another food. game tomorrow. Yes. And then TCU Saturday, right, Jared? Yep. Okay. All right. So that's, I can go I, to a game watch. Oh yeah, that's right. Cycling fanatic game watch. Everybody pay attention to social media for the deets. I'm sure they'll be serving <laughs> several of the food items that Elisa just listed. Two Crunchwrap Supremes as the buns of a tenderloin. I love you. Go Cyclones. Go State.